And this is, you know, truly just a question and truly not an assertion of blame. It's, it's, it's a question that, that haunts me, quite frankly. Say, kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? I love this song. We're back, baby. We're back. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Becoming a Doctor, a podcast. The podcast. Where to for. Start. Should we start the whole thing over? Let's pick it up. All right, edit Let's point. Start it over. Let's pick it up. <laughs> We're to what now? <laughs> Two fourth year medical students talk about the only thing we ever talk about. Medical school. I'm your host, Santana Sanchez. I'm your host, Kevin Gale Lit. It's lit. <laughs> Check out this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, at becomingadoctorpod.com. Nailed it. And on Twitter. Twitter. And we just sent the Spotify link to one of our peers this week. We did. She was amazed that we had the legend Dustin Williams on there. I'm amazed. <laughs> uh, Twitter <laughs> handle is at becomingadocpod. Check us out. Every day. It's amazing. Uh, it's truly one of the highlights of my life. What am I most proud of? That, that podcast <laughs> should answer that right because oh. you had your first interview a residency interview yeah no spoilies and they asked you what are you most proud of and i blanked and you should have said dustin williams on my podcast i should have <laughs> that would have been if it comes up ever again yeah you, if you had said that they would have said ow, ow, ow. Oh, my, my ears <laughs> out of uh, disbelief they would have said what that would have been like, <laughs> that's not something to be proud of. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Yes, it is. Let's hop into this because we got a guest on. Yeah. On ticking time. We're uh, back. We've been out of the podding game no, for no. T- two weeks. Too long. Two I weeks w- too long. Kevin was sick. I was sick. Yep. Kevin but, got sick again. But your golden vocal cords are back. Yeah, we couldn't. Yeah. So we, we said, let's do it tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before I get sick again. <laughs> okay. So I... Uh, we'll tell you what's going on today. Let's Segment number one. Are you ready for it? Uh, wait, hang on. Before oh, we get started. Yes, sir. Long day in clinic. I'm very parched. Let me crack this puppy open. Crack it open. It's the bubbly, sparkling water. Tall boy. Sorry for you're, ta- you're talking sorry over for it. You're talking though. over it. <laughs> you. <laughs> Drink up. Okay. Segment number one. You know it's our favorite new recurring segment. Journal Club. Journal Club. I have got a doozy for you. <laughs> Those are all the journal pages. I've got a doozy. I went on a walk today with one of our peers, and she laid a bombshell on me. Okay. She didn't know the exact journal. She didn't know the exact source, but she said, I think it was something like this. Journal Club. <laughs> so what did I do? I went home and did the hard research for our podcast. Wow. Let me delved into the archives. Let me tell you the title of this of this article. Are you ready? This is the title itself. This is from Academic Medicine. Ooh. Peer reviewed journal, peer reviewed journal, October 2020. The title of this journal article from our journal club is Pregnancy Journal Club. <laughs> you talked over it. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Pregnancy and parenthood remain challenging during surgical residency, colon, a systematic review. Not a shocking uh, <laughs> finding. Yeah, but wait till we get into the weeds, okay? So I did the review. I'm going to skip it. I'm going to set it up for you, right? This systematic review is after a report in 2003, a journal article in 2003. This was by Susan Finch. Um, and the journal article itself was in Academic Medicine from 2003. Wow. That title was Pregnancy During Residency, a Literature Review. And what they found in 2003 
The overall <clears throat> the mm. overall rate of obstetrical complications was significantly higher than that observed in the general public Ooh. for surgical residents. Yeesh. That was in 2003. Keep that in mind. That means complications uh, surrounding complications. the birth of the baby. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Say what? Say what? <laughs> so um, that is surprising, right? Pregnancy remaining challenging residency Less surprising. How about that? Yeah. Complications significantly higher than observing the general public compared to surgical residents. 2003. Okay. You think some change would be made, Outdated. Right? 2020. Fast forward to October. Again, the title, Pregnancy and Parenthood Remain Challenging During Surgical Residency. Yep. A systematic review. The yep. conclusions of this journal article. Uh-huh. Female surgical residents experience high rates of infertility and obstetrical complications they also contend with negative attitudes and stigma during their pregnancies, and they voluntarily delay childbearing. Wow. Wow. What a bombshell. What a bombshell. I mean, unfortunately, not super surprising. Um, no. But it's good to have that hard data because, you know, we could just think, oh, stereotypes like... Yeah, when you're in surgical residency, it's you're hardcore. working hard. Yeah. You don't have time for a fam. Yep, it's like and it, uh, oh, it's like so impressive when somebody is able to make the decision for themselves and start a family when they're yeah. doing residency in general. But this really puts it into perspective. They did some. They've got the cold hard facts. Let me give you some of these facts. Let's hear it. Systematic review. So they have a table. Table one. It's their primary table. <laughs> So the overall complication rate in the control group, which is the general public, right? The national control group of U.S. women. Overall complication rate for pregnancy is 5% to 20%. Take a guess what it is for female surgical residents and surgeons. Well, I know that it's higher. <laughs> Good. I'm guessing that it's... 5% to 20%. The 5 national to 20? That was the national control group. Oh, okay. I'm guessing that it's statistically significant otherwise i would be writing about so, it so so i'm gonna say 30 25 to 80 percent found in the systematic review huh how is it what well, you know how they do the review some you got to throw out some you got don't there was a there was a study that had an 80 percent complication rate among oh man yep and then it, it goes into the more like the details the weeds so early induction for pregnancy uh surgical residents and surgeons 16% to 30% compared to the general public of 20%. So statistically higher. Mm. Um, the miscarriage rate, general public, 4% to 13%. Um, uh, female surgeons and residents, 11 to 28%. Wow. So we're talking about overall complication rate, miscarriages, wow. early induction, right? So uh, that's what you're saying, the cold hard facts. Yeah. Um. So how about that? This is 2003, first published, 2020, October, all the data still Systematic says, review. Still a problem. And um, the reason this was brought up to me, yep. there was a new journal, JAMA Surgery. JAMA, right? You Say yep. it. JAMA. Yeah, exactly. It's a big article, big journal. Ever heard of it? JAMA Surgery in July 2021, right? Fresh off the presses. Yeah, ooh. Still hot. Ink's uh, not dry. They did another article, Incidents of Infertility and Pregnancy Complications in U.S. Female Surgeons. Same findings. Female surgeons, increased risk of infertility and pregnancy complications. Uh, changing surgical culture and enacting policies that support pregnancy may reduce risk of adverse obstetric outcomes. Wow. What do so, they recommend? That's a great question. That was the last thing I was going to talk about for this journal article. Huh. What a great interviewer, Santana. So, um, conclusions, uh, some of the conclusions from the 2020 article and 2021 article, they were saying, A, residents frequently requested designated locations within the hospital premises for breastfeeding and pumping. Okay. That's not standard. That's not nationwide. Very reasonable request. Uh, many, uh, residents felt that having a mentor through the process of, uh, navigating the experience of returning to work, dealing with the negative perceptions mm. of others, and managing the challenges would be helpful. So having a mentor would be helpful. Okay. Um, another suggestion, a solu suggested solution, I think I highlighted it. Maybe not. Um, those are the ones I looked up, basically. 
Gotcha. Um, and then having like, um, but those don't really address obstetric complications or higher, like the higher rates. of... Good point. The um, uh, here's a conclusion from the JAMA surgery, July 2021. With a lack of clear standardized guidelines mm. or federally mandated paid maternity leave, mm. we propose recommendations for the U.S. residency programs and surgical departments to facilitate pregnancy earlier in a surgeon's career to reduce pregnancy-related health risks. Oh, okay. So they're kind of suggesting that maybe because you women are... what? Are they, wait, what are they... What? They're Hang suggesting on. that um, female residents or surgeons put off uh, childbearing okay because of residency gotcha. right and so they're saying we need some sincere you know nationwide guidelines uh, about this um yeah certainly yeah put, kind of putting it on the leadership exactly whatever it's called the uh, academy of surgeons yep put out some guidelines be like look if if somebody's pregnant they should you know be able to Take as much time as off they want. Come back. Take six months, right? Yeah, like, get some maternity leave. You know, what is what do we look up in Europe? It's a year long of paid maternity leave or six months. Yeah. Some I don't of the remember. countries. Yeah, it depends. Yeah, some 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 nations in Europe. And here, what is it? Didn't JB just institute a federal maternity leave and it's like a month or Who's something? JB? Joe Biden. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking about Justin Bieber. His policy. Yeah, yeah, he's he's On a the feminist. Front. <laughs> he's pushing uh, it. Never say never. That's what I always say. Uh, maybe I'm making that up. Uh, yeah, Somebody tweet way, at us. It's it's way too low. Yeah, no doubt. And um, it, there, it, if I'm wrong, that means that there is no federally mandated maternity uh, leave. Well, in there the is. States. Oh, I think it's two weeks. Two maybe weeks. not. We don't. I didn't do that research. Well, anyways, it's brand new, and it's too little. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and it's causing obstetric complications. Yeah, what and, the heck? And I think, like you said, this is hard data, which is helpful for residency programs, right. students. But that's because surgery has this reputation of like work hard, only do surgery, get there at five a.m., right. stay forever. And so that's why these articles are coming out for surgery, female surgery residents specifically. Sure, yeah. Um, probably less so in OBGYN or psychiatry. Who knows? Who knows? We don't have the hard data on that. But this is a theme, many articles, and some new ones recently. Yeah, wow. Isn't that, in, isn't that, sh- isn't that surprising? It is to me. It, it, um, it is it is very sad i think is what i would say yep i mean um, it, it's surprising though too just to hear the data i guess yeah to be like oh he, yeah it's that there is this statistically significant difference yep in the outcomes of surgeons you know these are people that are leaders or in training to become leaders in the medical field have, and they yeah way have, better health insurance yeah. support social uh, uh Socioeconomic and the differences, yeah, the difference between that, yeah, yeah, they're in the, in the national, they're in the top, you know, they're most educated people in yeah. the nation, some going to be some of the top earners in the nation, and they have worse um, complication rates. Yeah, it's it's it, yeah, maybe yeah, you're right. It is shocking. It is shocking. It is shocking. <laughs> uh, and it would be like if lawyers, if female lawyers had worse obstetric outcomes than the general population. Yes. Look in, did you look into those articles? No, no, that'd be that'd be because that's a health outcome for doctors. So it'd be like if female lawyers went to lost, prison more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like lost more lo- personal lawsuits or something. You know, just be out of control. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's. Anyways, that's eye opening. That's Journal Club. Our, my favorite reoccurring segment. It's a good one. I uh, mean, that journal's kind of a downer, but oh well, we, we were thinking more goofy stuff like Harry Potter houses or something. Or... Well, it's it's teach their. Oh, own. so what have we learned about? <laughs> what have we learned about surgery residents so far? Oh boy, <laughs> the two for two. We should. Will you summarize it? <laughs> yeah. So we've had two journal clubs. We learned that they are Slytherins. Yep. Uh, they identify as Slytherins more uh, at a higher rate yep. than any other specialty, yeah. and that they have worse obstetric outcomes 
than the general population. <laughs> and how many peers do we have going to surgery? 50? <laughs> so many. All of all them. Of <laughs> for, from what I can tell. You know what I think about that? Dude, that is piercing. <laughs> Sorry, let me try again. Oh, no. Is that Waluigi? That's Waluigi sounds. Terrible news. I don't know if the podcast listeners know Wait, this. Wait, is that done a journal club? Journal club over. Journal club. What's the news, dude? Journal What's- club. <laughs> Closing the book. Close the book. Um, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. We got tricked. We got duped. We got duped. They put out this trailer saying Waluigi, everybody's favorite one of the Mario Bros. Yep. The purple one. Waluigi, number one. Exactly. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> was going to be joining the game. Super Smash Bros. He was going to have a tennis racket. So stoked for it. And then turns out it was a hoax. It was fake news. Unlike those journal articles, Waluigi coming to Super Smash Brothers on the Switch, fake news. Uh, oh, my God. It's so <laughs> it's bad. Piercing. It's piercing. Uh, Nintendo execs, if you're listening... Please, for the love of God, just yes. put him in. Put him back in. Okay, uh, I'm going to open my bubbly, and then we got to move on to our guest. Okay. Mm, delish. Mm-mm-mm. So, yeah, we got a guest this week. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Why don't you call them up? to go mobile. <laughs> there we go. Still good. It's time to go mobile. Time to go mobile. So... Should I intro our guest? Sure. Our guest this week is one of our classmates, one of our close friends from all of our small groups back in the heyday, Pavi. One of the OG. One of the OGs. Hello? Hello. Pavi. Hey. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Santana. Hi. How you guys doing? Great. Great. Now that we're talking to you, unbelievable. Sure. Of course, it's unbelievable. Pavi, give. Uh, oh, I forgot to warn you what the questions would be. Oh, question number one. Sure. Give us a brief intro of who Pavi is. You know the background, where you lived, where you came from, that kind well, of. Thing. How about a question before that? What is this Ooh. about, and what's the podcast about? I know nothing <laughs> of it. Uh, this is a podcast. You're on. You're recording right now. You're live right now. Yeah, we're recording the podcast right now. This is oh. episode. 28 28 29 nice uh yeah we got Corey on there we got lily on there we got kayla we're just going through our this small is just group. met students introducing themselves so that's a big part of it community uh well kevin and i basically come on here every week just give or take and talk about med school and then uh, we put it on the internet and then my mom listens to it <laughs> Kevin's dad listens to it, and then um, basically nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Okay. I'll tell you guys about me. Okay. Yay. Um, Pavi, four-year math student, originally from India. Lived here about a decade. I'm married to a wonderful person called Rom, who's still married to me by some, <laughs> I don't know, miracle. We have a wonderful eight-year-old daughter. Um, Minu is eight years old. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. She just turned eight. October 10th. Happy birthday. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, thank you. Is that third grade? How old? What grade? Two. Grade, grade two. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so Minu. <sighs> Keep so going. Where did you go to undergrad? Oh. Where did you get your PhD? That kind of stuff. Uh, sure, sure, PhD. I have two of those. No, five of those. <laughs> Uh, I went, so like I said, originally from Southern India, um, a southernmost state actually. I went to school there uh, in a city close to, you might know Chennai or Madras. Uh, the city that I'm from is called Coimbatore. Um, I did my school there, I did my undergrad there, and then I got married, I moved to the U.S., got a master's, and then researched for a few years. Followed my husband all the way to the Arctic, Minnesota. Uh, And then then research for a couple more years. And then, voila, med school. Um, I wanted to do med school for a while, but things work differently in India. 
with there's a age cap and then there's a, a very competitive um, bracket that you have to fall into with the certain like national exams and whatnot. And that was not a possibility then. Luckily, the U.S. system is a little more relaxed than the Indian system. Um, I applied. I didn't get in the first round. That was awesome. Oh. <laughs> they put my application on hold because they didn't think I have an undergrad degree, oh. which is uh, silly. That and then is I got silly. The second time. Dang. Yeah, when I started med school, Mina was what uh, four years old. That is, which was shocking. fun. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah. you're one of our rare peers who is also a parent. Only a handful mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought, and so I for, I'd forgot because you were thinking about PhD versus medical school with your master's, but then you went med school. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I I did some research prior to med school. I didn't need a degree to prove that I did research. So. <laughs> What was the master's in? What was the official title? Um, biomedical. It's undergrad biomedical engineering, master's in biomedical engineering. She That had a lot of application to med school, right? Puts you ahead of the curve in med school. Oh, well, with all of that, <laughs> I didn't even get an interview the first time around, so go for your... Well, they thought you didn't have a degree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have an undergrad, you see? Probably, that was the problem. Not everyone can get into med school first try like our boy Santana over here. I mean, it's <laughs> just on. so easy for him. Come on. <laughs> um, and then, and uh, how's how's being a mom? Oh, she's um, fantastic. She's really pissed off this past year from staying home, but um, she started in person school about uh, four, four and a half, five months ago. I've been happy since. Oh, I'm sure. Uh-huh. And and from what I remember about Minu is that she is healthy and smart. <laughs> and, and yeah, and sassy. Well, yeah, and adorable and sassy <laughs> and for sure, all those things. But I think that's what parents are hoping for, right? A healthy and gifted, like, you know, kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in a sense, yes. And she's, she's also oddly an older person trapped in a young person's body. So she can, she'll have her moments of maturity, which hmm. which like, have been great. It's like if you, you tell her older <laughs> person trapped in an old body, right? Just like <laughs> old person tra- trapped in an old person's body. Which is the um, uh, so it's, it's been okay, you know. It's been a journey. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, I can't imagine actually. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. no way. I can barely take care of myself during med school. <laughs> Santana does most of it for me. <laughs> Kevin, uh, in your room. Okay, that's Pavi. Awesome intro. Did we forget anything, Santana? Uh, <laughs> I want to hear more about uh, how sassy Minu is. How sassy Minu is? Yeah. Um, she will never let a dig go by. If you give her a dig, she'll actually understand that you gave her a dig and will return it right back to you. <laughs> Dang. So watch out, Kevin. <laughs> Put her on the phone. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> Let's rip into her. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, I don't know. She's a um, second generation immigrant. So she's it's very different. How we by by that I mean first generation people who moved from a different country look at the U.S. and how. Mm-hmm. We try to adapt, and how she tries to adapt is very, very different. So for us, mm. <gasps> we uh, lost her. She hung up on us. She said, in "This podcast, a waste of my time." <laughs> well, she's not wrong. Don't worry, we'll call her back. Don't worry. Ba, 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 ba. She's back. Well, I lost you there. That's okay. Keep going. So, coping mechanisms: first generation versus second generation. Oh no! So, so when we were talking about how Woody Mino is, and it's just. It's just the difference between her being born here and this being her home base versus not for us. Mm. So the way we look at things is very different than hers. And what she takes for granted is very different than what we take for granted. So I think that's kind of where the difference stems from. Do you have a specific example? Oh, um, okay. Well, we were in Starbucks, I think. Was it recently? About two months ago, I think. And... um. 
Mina was wearing henna or mehendi in her hands, and there was this older uh, Caucasian lady that walked in and was looking at her and was, oh, the tattoo on your hands are beautiful. And then she said something. Mina replied. And then this lady was like, you speak such good English. <laughs> we were like, okay. Oh. Microaggression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Uh, was being you know, phased. Sort of I, actually, I don't remember. She gave a very smart retort <laughs> to that. Sure. I, I said something like, I can when I want to. Or, I don't know what, what <laughs> she said. Something mm. like that. Mm. Do, do you Do you miss India? Oh, certainly. Every day. Oh. that's uh, That makes me sad. Um... It's okay. I think it's not as bad as it was when I moved here first. And it's not like I can't go back whenever I want to. So that's that's always nice. I am here because I want to be here, not because I have to, which is a huge, huge um, privilege that I don't think lately. Um, so I can, I can go back home whenever. It's just uh, my choice and my husband's choice. So it's, it's not so bad. And I have a lot of family, extended family here, too. So we're kind of a mixed bag. We're, we're split between here and there. Are your parents still staying with you right now? Or are they back? No, home? no. They um they try to visit once in a few years and try to stay longer. Did we lose her again? Um, we for for now, my parents are in India because their parents are still alive. Right. Gotcha. So when they do visit, though, they stay. They try and stay for at least four to five months because my sister is here too. Uh-huh. They'll split their time. Uh, and you know, you know what I always say: nothing better than living with the your parents in the same house, right? Am I right about that? Or uh, <laughs> am I right? I actually get along with them, so oh, that's good. So truly, there's nothing better. Uh, okay, that's that's Pavi. Boom. Number two, what are you doing in med school right now? What? Sorry, what? What am I doing? What med, rotation? Med school, yeah. just generally residency, ERAS, step two, all that stuff. Oh. Um, so all of that stuff is in, thankfully. The yeah. application process is Good. over. <laughs> there are a few interviews rolling in. Oh, that's awesome. What, uh, um, which specialty did you apply into? Internal medicine. <gasps> yes. Well, Santana, you're going internal medicine too, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, but we'll never nice. see Santana again after he leaves her residency. What do you mean? Pavi, he's got interviews, West Coast, Best Coast. Uh oh. He's out okay. of here. Maybe. Is that your preferred? Is that is that your preferred spot? Uh, Put that, it on the pod on the record. That's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> All right, never mind. I'll uh, text you. Do you okay. want? I told you right. We might be peers. Do you want to stay in Minnesota? Because I desperately want to stay do. in Minnesota. It's just it's like with where I'm at with my life. It's very convenient. Yeah. I won't be devastated if I have to move, but I prefer to stay. Hmm. Pavi, I would love to be your coworker. I have tremendous oh. respect for you. Thank you, pal. I appreciate that. And likewise, it'd be fun to be your coworker. Um, okay, are you doing any rotations right now or Yeah. Yeah, I got what what do I got next? Radiology. Radi- just finishing up. So I was on Renal. I'm just finishing Oof. up that this week. Oof. So that's been interesting. <laughs> um <laughs> That's where I'll stop. <laughs> okay, all right. Say no more. You survived it. And then radiology. You should talk to Corey about radiology. She's in oh, it right. did she do that? She's, she's in it right now. She'll give you some thoughts oh, on the nice. rotation, how to prepare best for it. Okay, <laughs> will do. Um, good for you. I'm just taking off months. Why work in med school when you don't have to, is what I say. Hey, I have to work because I am not as good of a planner as you are. I took way too much time off for step study. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, last time we talked, you were super stressed about step. That's over. Mm-hmm. You passed. You Congrats. did great. Thank you, pal. I'm so happy it's over. I'm not a very good test taker. Yeah, and, and but it's just like this gigantic hurdle you got to jump over. Yeah, and you made yeah. it. You did it. Yes, we all made it. Yay to us. Yay. Yay. <laughs> all right. 
Uh, so finished rate, uh, finished renal, had a joy, had a blast, maybe found a new calling in life. Yep. That's what I heard. On to radiology. <laughs> it's going to be just, just fun time down in the basement in the dark. Right. Sure. I'm going to try really hard to be up and awake and engaged. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Looking at those, looking at those scans. That's fun. Um, gotta learn that at some point. I have a question, a side question for you. Have you picked out your Halloween costume yet? It's right around the corner. Halloween costume. Mina um, is all about Halloween. I feel oh. like I need to get into it just for her. You got it. Um, you got to. So, uh, no, is the short of it. I have been working on Mina's costume, though. Ooh. I really wanted to be chicken and Ram will be Ma- Maui. And Mina could be Moana. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> oh, I love but that. All the chicken costumes are real. Like, I want to be the, you know, have you seen Moana? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that, like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. The chicken Rather unintelligent. With an intellectual disability. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That chicken. Is that, Do you already have the Moana costume ready for Minu? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. I did. I mean, I, I cop out. I bought it, but I, I, I want to make the leaf. The, the waistband and then that little hand thing that she wears and right. then the tiara right, and all right, that right. stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think uh, the chicken would be a great costume. I think, go for it. What do you want to be? What are you going to be? Uh, we're dressing up. Santana, I'll let you tell. I don't... What if we're spoiling it though for to all of our, all of our listeners? <laughs> I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> um, what was that, Santana? I couldn't hear you. Sorry, uh, Kevin, myself, Francesca, and Danielle, mm-hmm. Kevin's significant other, are dressing mm-hmm. up as the four Teletubbies. <laughs> I'm Poe. Kevin's the purple one. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh my god! How original, you guys. It's going to be something. <laughs> I'm very excited about it. <laughs> Enough costume talk, though. Yeah, let's move on. Santana, next question. So it's really too bad that Kevin didn't brief you. Yeah, my bad. Drop the ball here. My bad. But this is the most important question on the pod. Um, so, you know, take some time. Really think over your answer. Uh, we always need to get a hot take from our guests. The hottest take that you have something controversial something that will make me and kevin go what (laughs) um it can be about medicine it could be about med school or it could be about you know mcdonald's serving breakfast all day uh yep jeff bezos (laughs) jeffrey bezos whatever whatever is on your mind (laughs) okay hot take huh i um okay there's been one thing that's been really bothering me, and this yes. is about med school, and it's happened during one of my rotations. Perfect. That I, I feel like I've spoken about it to anybody and everybody who listens. So this is not anything earth-shattering. So, okay, here's the scenario. There's this elderly um, Somali woman who's about 60-some-odd years old, not, not integrated in terms of language fluency, still speaks very little to no English, uh, only Somali-speaking. Recently was infected with hep C during a travel uh, to Somalia where she acquired transfusion. And then what happened? She she traveled sort of circuitously to the U.S. Uh, she went to Europe. She went to Germany. And while at Germany, she had very fulminant liver, like decompensated liver failure and was, was hospitalized. Found to have really florid hep C cryo, cryoglobulinemia. Remember we learned about that? Yep. Right. And this this woman, uh, so she's a citizen of the United States. So she gets shipped back from Germany to the U.S., um, goes to South Fairview, Southdale first. They don't have the, you know, the fancy coordination between rheumatology and the GI to treat her illness. So from there she gets carted off to the University of Minnesota. And I am in my rheumatology rotation that and she's in, you know, admitted to medicine and we're consulted on along with hepatology to treat her. Right. This is the setting. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, obviously because of COVID, she can't have other visitors. So she, this is this is a woman that's like scared out of her mind uh, who has been traveling and has been seen by multiple hospitals. 
and is finally here. And the only thing she'll say is treat my hep C. And um, like I did part of that ro rotation, like caveat, I did part of that rotation virtually. So I didn't physically ever see this woman. All of all of what I know from about her is what I heard during rounds. Wow. Um, so the residents and the you know the fellow that was uh, in 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 the team with me would go see the patient. So by the time she reached us, all of her I think nine of her ten digits there was dry gangrene and both of her heels were dry and gangrenous and almost going to fall off. Oh, and oh all of this gosh. is because of uh, who knows right? It could be because of cryo, could be because of too much pressors in one of the hospitalizations. Nobody knows. Somehow she lost a soul perfusion and lost all, almost all of her digits. And what was told to her in Germany was, you should get your hep C treated. If not, you are going to die. And that is all she will tell us. Anybody who would, who would you know, go in and talk to her via an interpreter, she was like very doubtful of the medical system, very doubtful if she'll ever get cured. And this is the only thing she'd talk about. Um, and then we were we were like talking about her case a couple of times in the rounds and towards the end of my rotation, and she was still on service. Uh, and I was like, why aren't we treating her hep C? And I got a very wishy-washy cover your ass type answer that said, oh, hep C treatment is really expensive in the hospital. So we're not going to do it. So, you know, I'm not I'm not that naive as I was then. And I totally understand there is, you know, money at play in hospitals need to make a certain amount of money to stay afloat. All of that said, I still question to this day if we actually communicated our thoughts appropriately to that poor, scared woman who eventually ended up dying because of cardiac arrest during oh our hospital day and passed, right? So I don't want to, so this, the, the, re, the only reason truly that I bring it up is I trust our rheumatology colleagues, our medicine colleagues. I'm sure they did exactly everything by the book. The only thing that I wonder is communication. Was that old Somali lady who couldn't speak the language, was she adequately informed of what we're doing for her? And if we're not able to do something, does she know why we're not able to do it? Mm. Is a thing that I, you know, constantly the thing that I heard was, Patients non-conversational, patients not no eye contact. Like so, all of these things. What 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 does that tell you? She's in a different country, right? She's scared out of her mind. She's not non She's not non-conversational because she wants to confront you or give you a hard time. She's the one that's suffering. So, with the caveat that I was never physically present, the the big like huge elephant in the room for me was, oh my god, how how are we okay with? how little we have communicated to the patient and is there anything we could have done to have modified her negative outcome. And this is, you know, truly just a question and truly not an assertion of blame. Hmm. It's, it's, it's a question that, that haunts me quite yeah. frankly, because I, probably more so because of the bias that I have. I'm an immigrant too. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I feel like I can, I don't know, maybe I have a chip on my shoulder. Who knows? But that, that's that's my hot take for you. Yeah, it sounds like that experience really, really left an imprint on you and impacted you. Um, have you thought about like um, like how that experience is going to shape your practice going forward? Because I don't think that that's in Minnesota that that is that uncommon of a situation. Somebody travels back home from uh, visiting family in Africa and something went awry. They got, they were healthy when they went out there, they come back and they're sick and, um, or I guess anywhere else in the world. And there's communication barriers, there's language barriers. Um, yeah. I, I'm really sorry that that, that that is something that happened to this woman and that you had to experience. But I'm wondering what, um, as you've reflected on it, kind of what your, what you're taking forward with you um, when you see patients yeah. in similar circumstances? You know, communication. A lot of times, like we pre-round on patients, and then we round again with preceptors, and then we come back and talk about it. Like we were ca so caught up in in the 
rigmarole of things that we need to get through, write the notes, talk to the primaries and the whatnots, mm -hmm. that how much of what we're thinking, actually thinking, gets communicated to the patients? Mm -hmm. Do we ever, after the morning rounds, go back to the patient's room and be like, hey, this is what I talk, thought about. And this is what we're going to do. X, Y, Z. And some of this is, I, I fully acknowledge my naivety and my only having to care for a reduced patient load at this level of my training. That mm -hmm. with, with an increased load, I might laugh at myself. But I, I think there's still merit to having this conversation and putting that out there and having people... Just honestly think about it. Couldn't could you have spared a few minutes to talk to a patient, especially one that's really not trusting of the medical system? Could could just you know I don't know. It's hard for us to talk to people who doubt us, but isn't that what's required of us to change their bias? Is is something that I've been thinking about? Do I do a good job at it? I don't know, right. but I, I certainly think about it every time. Yeah. And recognizing that there is that, like, um, that that there that there are those uh, biases held by patients, and recognizing that there is that there are those impressions about the medical field is a is a huge is a huge first step towards rectifying that and towards providing that equitable care. Because yeah, Absolutely. I think you're right. There are people that do to get adequate healthcare that do need just a little bit more time, a little bit more effort, whether it is because of a language barrier, whether it is because of any other number of factors, um, you know, just doing the bare minimum for everyone isn't always going to cut it. Mm -hmm. um, not that these providers did the bare minimum. I, I you know, like you're saying, we don't want to, these aren't like blaming statements. It's something that happens and is really unfortunate. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, Santana. You have a story very similar to this. Um, a patient you take you took care of with a huge language barrier, and you found it to be incredibly challenging. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's always challenging um, with the language barrier, and I think, yeah, with the language barrier, cultural barrier, and also like in uh, the times of a pandemic, everybody's got face coverings. So even on even. Um, nonverbal communication is mm. not possible. And so trying to, um, like you're saying, did this person really understand? Did we communicate it? Trying to gauge if somebody does understand what you're communicating to them mm. when you're speaking different languages and you come from different backgrounds and you mm. can't see their face is, I found, a huge challenge. And if you're talking at them through a phone interpreter, or you mm -hmm. would never even talk to them. I don't. Yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's it, it's a challenging situation, and it um, I feel like it's it's one of those gray areas where you it's possible that you're never really sure. Like you're saying, you you just don't you can't be certain that everything that you want to communicate is coming across. Mm -hmm. Bobby, do you feel um? It sounds like you didn't have direct patient contact with this patient, mm -hmm. with this woman. But do you feel guilt or or sadness, or is it just kind of questioning the system well, and that the the poor communication? You know, what could have been know, done differently? I don't personally feel guilt or sadness because I was, I had like family things that made me not do my rheumatology rotation entirely in person. Those were things that I was dealing with on this side. Um, so on that front, I felt, you know, quite okay not being able to do this in person. But there were other personnel in the team that were responsible for the person's care. Um, you know, we always... I don't want to stand on this righteous podium in retrospect and try to talk about something that I didn't actively change in that time because that's the easiest thing one can do right in retrospect everything appears black and white not so much while you're in it um so to answer your question i don't feel guilt but could i have done something to change uh certainly i could have i mean i brought it up during rounds and i asked the questions like why does the patient know somewhere in in there i i felt quite 
I don't know if that's learned helplessness of being a medical student and feeling at the bottom of the totem pole. I don't know. Maybe I could have done more during the rounds to like really raise this as an issue and, and make my voice heard more, which I didn't do. Well, I'm not exactly... I wasn't really wondering what you could have done differently. I'm just wondering how you're feeling about the situation. Yeah. It's clearly on your mind still. Oh, it is. It is. And I, I want it to be on my mind because I feel like only then, if we let ourselves forget some of the mistakes or, I don't know, it, there's merit to not forgetting the mistakes that we make. Right. It right. Helps. They, um, I mean, that's what our podcast is all about, growing and changing, le learning from our mistakes. No doubt about it. No doubt. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing. I mean, yeah, that's thank you. That's a very um, difficult and powerful experience. Yeah, um, and it'll make Santana and I pause in our next rotations in that situation. Absolutely. Um, there we if, go. If it only mission accomplished. Yeah. If it no, yeah. if it only impacts even just three people, it's it's better to talk about it. Yeah. Right. For sure. Certainly. Yeah. Um, no, but for for real, thanks for sharing. Mm -hmm. And for real, our podcast is normally lighthearted, so it's nice to have a serious tone every once in a while. <laughs> oh, I wish I had known. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, guys. we don't. No, no, no. I love it. That's not true. We talk about everything on this thing. And we're going to talk about one more thing before you hang up on us. What? <laughs> we want to hear your favorite memory from medical school uh, God about that. you gotta uh, whatever pop when i say pavi what's your favorite memory that she just makes you smile in med school it doesn't actually have to make you smile oh, it could be i think the first two years when i have friends over and cooked for them oh who i take great I, I love that's how i show my affection is i cook for people i've not been able to do a whole lot of that in year three and four but in year one and two I was able, and I think that's like not just me for me or two for whatever reason. That's her like most precious memory of medical school is to just be a bunch of pills from med school oh. and just hang out. That's so sweet. I love that memory for you. Yeah. I wasn't actually there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course you would say that, man. We'll change that. Oh wait, so what about uh, was there ever a time when one of your peers cooked you food and brought it to you because? He just, he just loved you so much. Any memories like that? You know how food well, no, I, food's I so important no, to you. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's like never. Or no. what about the time when never I cooked happened. everyone eggs for in our past lab? <laughs> you made pancakes for us. That's so yeah. that's <laughs> I just know how important food is to you, Pavi. So I, you know, make sure it's it's there. You're such a clown. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, Pavi, is there anything else you want uh, to share before before we let you go? Uh, no, pal. I'm just excited to see where we all land up and what sort of docs we're all going to be. Um, I ask that we never let each other forget uh, some of the mistakes or some of the things that we like to change about ourselves and call each other out when we make mistakes. Hmm. That's how we make each other better. Absolutely. I love that. And before, actually, I'm going to share in AA, right? They always say, make sure you share your lowest time so you don't forget that. Because um, it's easy, like five years down the line, oh, forget that DWI or forget when mm -hmm. I did this when I was drunk, right? So mm -hmm. sharing those stories that, that you did helps remember and helps you correct. Uh, mm -hmm. Very important in the AA community. Um, I mm -hmm. think you're right, spot on. Mm -hmm. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> Thank Best you for having me. With your interviews. I'm sure you're going right to slay them. You yeah, you're going to slay your interview trail. Can't you wait. guys all will, too. Pavi, tell me about oh. yourself. <laughs> uh, okay. There you go. Thanks for the practice. Oh, always. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Love you, Pavi. I'll catch you later. Uh, all right. Love you guys. You take care. Bye. 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 Wow. Pavi. Bringing the heat. Success, though. I would say super successful guest. Absolutely. One of our best. Um.
Yeah. Don't yeah. forget the, the mistakes. No doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. You should, uh, well, if you ever have a chance and you're hanging out with her, you should tell your story about sure. the patient and the mom that you took care of and just like how you felt that communication was, was such a liability. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's so, it's so, so tricky. And then, I mean, and there, it can, like, the communication barriers just, like, layer up so quickly. You know, somebody is a little bit elderly. Maybe they are a little bit senile as well. Maybe they get a little bit of delirium being in the hospital. Hard of hearing. They're traveling. Tra- yeah. They're jet lagged. They're sick. Adds up so much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, not un- not an uncommon situation. Not un- I didn't share this with Pavi, but I, I thought to myself that it, that is an asset of the med student who only has one or two patients. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are able to be in person, the med student can follow up over and over and over and really make sure that patient's understanding. Yeah, absolutely. You've served that role. I've served that role before. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also, in Waconia, when there was only the physician, there wasn't the residents, there wasn't the meds. You know, the physician was the only one communicating, right? So mm-hmm. it was much more clear where their communication was coming from and, right. and whose onus it was if the, the patient wouldn't want to understand. Right. Which also helps. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Segment over. What's next? You tell me. You know what's next. No, I don't. You didn't tell me the plan. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kevin's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> Double Kevin's Corner. Yay. I got an interesting Kevin's Corner for you. This I can't time. wait. Have I ever talked on the podcast about the Victory Bell? Uh, Who knows? Uh, <laughs> We've done so many episodes. Yeah. One of our listeners will write in. <laughs> like, Kevin's repeating himself. <laughs> well, I always say if it's a good story once, it's a good story twice. Yep. That's what my grandpa always said. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, so but here's how here's here's what's up. Have you heard of ASCO? No. ASCO, American Society of Clinical Oncology. Okay. It's the biggest uh, global oncology organization. Well, and they have what's up? Is it global or is it American? It's American Society of Clinical Oncology. Good point. <laughs> so, <laughs> global impact, I should say. Oh, they have this gigantic annual conference every year. Okay, at the largest convention center in the country, Chicago, Illinois. No way. You know what convention center I'm talking about? Uh, I don't. What is it called? I've been there. Have you? What for? Um. What is it called? Society for Neuroscience Conference. Uh, McCormick. McCormick yeah. Place Convention Center. It is huge. So ASCO, the American Society Clinical Oncology. I was lucky enough to go there in my pre-medical days, mm. presented a poster. And I thought it was mm. so cool to be at a, a conference. All these docs, everyone the same, just wanting to learn mm-hmm. in their specialties, mm-hmm. some monumental changes every year to, to practice. And... There's a thing now that's it's new the past two years. It's called ASCO Voices. ASCO is American Society Cl- Clinical Oncology. Yep. ASCO Voices. Yep. Uh, this unique session offers a break from the science and offers an opportunity to reflect on personal stories and experiences. Five lightning talks will be selected from those who audition to ASCO Voices. Lightning. Each ASCO Voices presentation will be no longer than seven minutes, which is rare in ASCO, right? The annual conference. They're only drone on and on. Yeah, for sure. Like our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can be no longer than seven minutes and can not contain slides for data or figures. No podium, no slides, just a story and a stage. So I'm going to audition about the victory bell. That's genius. Seven minutes. Yeah. No podium, no slides. That's when I'm at my best (laughs) off the cuff. (laughs) Making jokes, pointing fingers, finger guns. Boom, boom. Cancer. (laughs) You're going to love it. So for for the ASCO Voices audition, you got to make a three-minute recording. Okay. I'm going to do it live on the podcast. Right now? Yeah. Do you want me to jump in? Do you want no. me to use sounders? You're gonna, no, 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 no slides, no podium, no sounders. 
They didn't say there. that. They didn't say that. Um, I'm going to do it, and it, you're going to tell me how it goes. Okay. And then you're going to say, listen, scratch that. Do it off pod. That's and I'll probably, try again. That's probably what I'll say. But it might be awesome. It might be perfect. Who knows? So I wrote a paragraph, and then I'm going to talk off the cup. Off the cup. Okay. You want me to time it? Yeah. Less than three minutes. Keep the timer up if I get when I get close. Okay, One okay, minute, okay. two minutes. Okay. Okay. You ready for this? Uh, yes. Uh, Ask a Voices Edition. And you should know that there's a there's a page where you put who you are, what school you from, or like, you know, where you, I'm, I'm probably the only medical student auditioning. It's all like oncologists. But sure. Dream big. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ready, set, go. The following fact is alarming. Out of the 62 NCI designated cancer centers that treat patients, 51 have a cancer center victory bell in place. We've all seen and can picture the victory bell. You know what it is. It's that big brass bell installed in the infusion room of most cancer centers. The the big bell for patients to ring loudly after treatment completion. And because more than 80% of cancer centers now use the victory bell, this tradition is widespread. And this is why I'm auditioning for ASCO Voices. Hi, I'm Kevin Gale. I'm a fourth-year medical student at the University of Minnesota. I'm actually going into internal medicine residency. And I know ASCO Voices is all about the story and the reflection. My story involves my mom's terminal colon cancer diagnosis. And I'll expand more on the story during ASCO Voices. But she had an incident where she was in the infusion room. The loud victory bell went off, and she became tearful. Normally, she's super happy, super loving woman, but she became sad in that moment because she realized she would never have the chance to ring the victory bell, and she would die from her cancer. And that moment, that story got me working on what percentage of these cancer centers have infusion bells, and I did the research. I called each cancer center, NCI. I... Uh, collected the data, and it's widespread. Like I said, 80% have it. So my ASCO voices will target a few things. Number one, talk about how widespread it is. Number two, share my mom's story, which is the theme of ASCO voices. And number three, uh, the ASCO annual conference theme is advancing equitable cancer cancer care through innovation. I am looking to innovate the process of celebrations Um, in the cancer clinics. We can't use a loud victory bell. It has unintended consequences. It has negative psychological repercussions on terminal patients. So we need to do innovation to figure out better ways to celebrate um, cancer victories. Uh, So I'll talk about that some more. And then finally, I want to ask you, why should you pick me for Ask a Voices? Pick me because I'm a fourth-year medical student. Get some young blood in ASCO. I'm here. I'll bring the energy. Seven minutes. Uh, no podium. No stage. No, I mean, no podium. No slides. Just me, Kevin Gale, fourth year medical student, talking about the cancer center victory bell for ASCO. Thank you for considering me. Take care. Wow. Pretty good. A except, tight three. Pretty good, except for the blender going on in the background. Yeah, what, what is up in that kitchen? I don't know. Some blending. <laughs> uh, what do you think? You might have fudged the facts a little bit there. You know how so? Some young blood. Well, they don't. They they'll assume that I'm a fourth year med student. <laughs> They're gonna be. I come, ba- you're bamboozling. Come them. up with my cane. <laughs> <laughs> my standing desk. <laughs> I thought he was young blood. Mm-mm-mm. That's Kevin's corner, though. I no, my, it was I, my Asco edition, voices edition. Uh, I think it's a great idea. It's a great topic. Um, Should I just send that one in? Uh, try it again. Uh, I would probably try it again. I don't know. <laughs> Put a little polish on it. But yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's a good idea. I think that they would. That they that that's definitely something that they'd be interested in. And I love how you tied in the overall theme. Um, you would probably have to come with an idea for how they would change that celebratory yeah. process. So if I do it again, I should talk about the ideas. There's tons of ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yep. Yeah. Even if it's just one, like I think this is. Yep. Boom. Boom. Um. Yeah, dude. 
I think they'd be Boom. into it. Boom. It's a great story. It's a great topic. I mean, unless they're like really, I mean, I don't know anything about ASCO. Unless they're really uh, uh, married to the victory bell. I know a lot of people that's like is, is an exciting part of their mm-hmm. family member's story. For sure. But, I mean, you have evidence. Unintended consequences, evidence. Published journal article <laughs> describing how it's you know not all it's uh all it's all, cracked up to be exactly and uh yeah i don't know we'll see what happens i mean what's worse that happens is that uh they, they say no yeah or they never respond to you. actually that's uh, that just reinforced that i'm not gonna try again right it's just i'll just take that clip send it in kevin to, come I on mean, you know what's me polishing it up like one bit is that gonna make a difference no uh yes it will why would you not do your best possible okay it's three minutes long. okay start it over keep the podcast going hi there my name <laughs> but what a buzz <laughs> okay i'll try one more time off air how's yeah, that sound i think it's a great idea thanks for listening though uh you're welcome that's Good the end practice. of kevin's corner my favorite segment <laughs> duh all right, what's next? You know what's next, dude. This is the longest podcast we've ever it's done. It's not. It's less than an hour right now. Oh. <laughs> what you meant is that it feels very short. It's flying by, right? <laughs> that, is, that is what I meant. Yep, you're right. Am I right or am I right? You're right. Okay, here we go. Uh, next segment, the mailbag. Hey. For as long as there's been mail, there's been someone to deliver it. That's just a fact. <laughs> Over 300 hits on a two CD set. And Colin, these songs cover every postal worker through the ages. That's right. Let's listen to our first selection Mail. That's it. Whose line is it, anyways, clip? Wow. <laughs> this is from Jay Gale. Hey. This is a quick mailbag segment. Long time, first time. For a long time, first time writer. <laughs> long time listener, first time writer. Uh, Santana, tell what? me when. I, uh, he, we, I should just tell him to look it up, but this is his question. <laughs> tell me look when match day is, when do you rank your uh, schools, What? and how does that process work on the day? I don't know any of those dates. Are so you kidding me? I know February something, we got to rank. March something <laughs> is match day. Um, it's after St. Patrick's Day. Do you, do you know, know how it works? I know how it works. What's that? Come on, go, go on a little bit. All right, Jay. Jay Gale. Uh, Jay Gale. So how it works is all the fourth-year medical students plus a bunch of international medical grads apply to whatever programs for residency they want to go into. Then they get emailed and told to come and interview. They interview with as many of them as they want to. Um, And then... They compile a list, the applicants compile a list, a ranked order list of all the residencies from the one that they most want to go to, the one that they least want to go to. It could be a list of two, it could be a list of 20, it could be a list of 80 if you are in orthopedics. Yeah, wherever you interviewed is how many you you rank. Exactly. Um, And at the same time, each residency program, each hospital is interviewing hundreds of medical students or international medical grads, and they compile their own list. They rank all the people that they interview from the person that they want the most to come there and be an intern <laughs> to the person that they want I'm the least. I'm for that number one spot where, it meant where I interview. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very critical spot. <laughs> and then they send those lists to... Uh, IBM Watson. Beep, boop, beep, boop, boop. The computer. Yep. The one that won at Jeopardy. <laughs> uh, and it does an algorithm. Yes. To optimize the both sets of ranking lists. Um, and then it spits out a bunch of envelopes to all the medical students and the international medical grads to be opened on match day. You open it up and it says, congratulations, Kevin. You're going to the University of Minnesota for the next three years. Yep. Or else you can turn it down and not have a job. 
Yeah, yeah, but that no one does that. No. I'll give you the dates, dude. Okay. March 2nd is when we give the list. You have to oh. certify the list. Okay, I was close. Very close, yep. March 18th is match I day. I was super close. I said after St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, and I think it's in my calendar, March 18th. Oh, wait. I didn't do research. March 18th, what, St. Patrick's Day is? 17. Oh, yeah. St. Patrick's Day, the match hour is at 10 a.m., on the 18th? Yeah. On the 18th. Ooh, 10 a.m. Yep. Central Standard. Yes. So, you know, we'll all be on Zoom probably. <laughs> Open up our Zoom envelopes. Yay. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah. it's uh, So that's it. Is. That's it. And that's coming. That's right on the corner. Yeah. It'll be here before you know it. I know. Before Can't. you blink your eye. Can't wait. Anyways, that's the mailbag. Thanks, Jay Gale. Thanks, Jay. Should have told him to look it up, but you did a good job explaining it. Thank you. Um, and it's always worth repeating, that's for sure. So that's the mailbag. A good story. For as long as there's been mail, there's been someone to deliver it. That's just a fact. <laughs> that's right. We've got over 300 <laughs> hits on a two-CD set. And Colin, these songs cover every postal worker through the ages. That's right. Let's listen to our first selection, Mail. Hilarious. <laughs> One of their best-known bits. <laughs> All right, what's what's up? What's next? You know what's next. That's the end of the podcast. That's the end. Yeah. We did it. Shout out, Pavi. Shout out, Pavi. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing. Yep. Shout out, Minu. Mm-hmm. Shout, uh, out Minu. shout out, Dustin Williams. Our boy. Always. The GOAT. <laughs> 24-7, wherever you are. <laughs> He's probably recording a lecture as we, as we pod. Yeah, no doubt. He's <laughs> ha- the man is hard at work, nonstop. <laughs> um, all right. Like we say every week, a, a bird, bird in, in the, the hand, hand is, is worth two in the bush. bush. Good night. <laughs>